Hey, this is Graham, and I am so pumped you're joining us today. If you're a part of our Grace community, whether in person or online, we would love to connect with you on social media, at the Grace AG on all social outlets. But the best way to connect is to join our online community at live.graceassembly.org. Here, you can engage and connect with other Grace members all around the world. So, we hope today's message encourages and challenges you. Let's jump right in. Today might be the most important message in this series. And the reason is, is because today I want to talk to you about training spiritual champions. I want to talk to you about our kids. I want to talk to you about our students. Because uh, if we can get kids and students to learn and love and live this book, then every promise of this book is theirs. And they know it. And you know what we found is that they'll serve Jesus for a lifetime if we can teach them to love this book. Some of you need to hear that again. If I can teach my kids, my students, to learn and love this book, they will have faith for the rest of their lives. Now, I want to show that to you from Deuteronomy chapter 6. And before we read the verse, let me give you some context. If you're watching the videos, you know all about context and proof texting and all that stuff, right? So here's some background. Deuteronomy chapter 6. The word Deuteronomy actually means second law. So God gave Moses the law in the book of Exodus, 10 commandments and all of these various hundreds of, of commandments. And so they didn't obey them, didn't go well with them. They started circling, doing laps in the wilderness. And so here they are about to enter the promised land, and God gives them the law again. Second law, get it? And so God gives the people of God uh, specific instructions for how to raise kids, how to perpetuate faith, because they're going to go into a country that didn't know God, they didn't know Jehovah. They didn't have a tabernacle. They didn't, they didn't know anything about God at all. He said, so you're about to go into a foreign culture where people, not only don't they know God, some of them hate God. Sound familiar? You and I are raising kids and students in a culture that is more and more hostile to their faith in Jesus Christ. So what God said to the people of God in Deuteronomy, he is saying to us as well. Deuteronomy chapter 6, we're going to start with verse 1. This is the commandment, and these are the statutes and judgments which the Lord your God has commanded to teach you, that you may observe them in the land which you are crossing over to possess, that you may fear the Lord your God to keep all his statutes and his commandments, which I command you, you and your son and your grandsons, all the days of your life, and that your days may be, that you may enjoy long life. So here, here it is. God is saying, you're about to go into this new territory, and uh, here's the goal. The goal is for you to raise kids, to serve me, to fear me, to follow me all the days of their life. You know, by the way, they'll have a long life. Pretty awesome stuff. So, okay, how is that going to happen? Here's what he says. Jump to verse 5. You will love the Lord your God with all your heart, 
with all your soul and with all your strength. And these words which I command you today shall be in your heart. You will teach them diligently to your children. Talk of them where you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, when you rise up. Have them as a sign on your hand, on the, on the frontlets between your eyes. Write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. So here's what we're going to do today. I want to give you four principles from Deuteronomy chapter 6 about training spiritual champions. Is that okay? Now, because we're talking about this, uh, we're going to tag team this message. I want you to uh, welcome Pastor Graham Betancourt, our youth pastor, and Pastor Evan Fortunato, our kids pastors. They come. All right. Uh, I like to pronounce Evan's name Fortunato, right? It's part Italian, right? Okay, that's good. And uh, Betancourt is not Italian. It's Cuban. Cuban. That's that not a joke. I'm very that makes, serious. That makes a lot of sense. I'm very serious. Right. I look Cuban, don't I? You really do. I just, know if, I just don't know if I'm not allowed to say that. Might get a sunburn up here under these lights. Okay. Let's help Graham stay on topic, all right? All right, so Graham, uh, your wife Amy, tell us... Uh, Tell us about your family. Yeah, so um, my wife Amy is amazing. If you haven't met her, you need to. Uh, we have four kids. I have an almost six-year-old, uh, Declan. I have a four-year-old uh, named Ellie, who is my mini-me in in-girl form. I have a two-year-old, or almost two-year-old. Goodness, almost two-year-old. Vivian, she's perfect. And then uh, we have a brand-new addition. He's only a month and some change. Uh, Theodore, Theo. And they're all amazing. All right. I so didn't deserve, don't deserve them, but they're awesome. Yeah. So Evan, tell us about your family. Yep, so my wife Rebecca uh, is here somewhere. She's in, oh, she's right back there. And uh, she won't like me pointing her out. And we have four kids as well. I have an eight-year-old named Caleb, a six-year-old named Eloise, a four-year-old named Aria, and then an almost two-year-old named Benaya. So. Well, good job on growing the church, by the way. Four kids, four kids. Job security. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> So, <laughs> all right. Amen. <laughs> Help us already. All right. So, uh, Evan, you were raised in the church. Yep. Graham, you were not raised in the church. Nope. Evan, you're, you guys are homeschooling your kids. You're a product of public schools, yep. right? Yep. Uh, so, right out of the gate, we want you to know that there are varieties of approaches to training spiritual champions. And so what we want to do is give you just some principles that all of us can use in helping raise our kids and students to have faith for a lifetime. So the first thing is this, if you want to write this down in your notes, I think from Deuteronomy 6, the first takeaway is to redefine success as a parent. Yeah. Redefine success as a parent. I think if we were to ask the average person, man on the street, hey, what does it mean to be a successful parent? I think a lot of moms and dads would say, well, I want my kids to be gainfully employed, have an education, you know, I want them to be, uh, you know, this or the other, I want them to make a good living, and listen, all those things are great, but ultimately that's not the number one goal. The number one goal, and I'm gonna be really blunt, I want my kids in heaven. Yeah, yeah. That's the number one goal. Yeah. 
Um, I have two boys, uh, 21 and 25, and so we would have all kinds of conversations as they were little and getting older. We would be in the car, driving around, we would be at a baseball game or whatever, and I would just say, hey, Braden, hey, Elliot, I hope you grow up, and I hope you're famous, I hope you, I hope you make a lot of money, I hope you have great families. I'm praying for all those things to happen in your life, but I want you to know that the number one thing that I'm hoping and praying and wanting for you is that you'll serve Jesus all the days of your life, because that is what success is as a, follow, as a, as a parent. Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 2 says, so that you, your children, and their children after them may fear the Lord your God as long as you live by keeping all his decrees and commands that I give you. Is it great to be a famous athlete? Sure. Is it great to have thousands or hundreds of thousands of followers on social media? Fine. You know, have a great job. We all want that. You know, have a great family? Great. But the number one thing yeah. is we want them to have faith for a lifetime. That's right. uh, Matthew chapter 16, verse 26 says, what good will it be for somebody to gain the whole world but forfeit their soul? Yeah. Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul. And of course, we can't guarantee as parents that our kids are going to follow Jesus right. because every child, every student has to make their own decision. But we, there are some things that we can do as parents, as grandparents, as foster parents, uh, legal guardians to, to increase the odds yeah. that they will choose faith in Jesus Christ. Sure. So the second principle I want to take away from Deuteronomy 6 is that if we're going to train spiritual champions, let's make success uh, as following Jesus the number one thing. But number two, it means parents taking the lead in discipling their children. Yep. I read a study a few years ago that up to 85% of parents, Christian parents, believe that they are uh, the primary disciple of the kids, but they keep abdicating that responsibility to the church. So we say we agree with this, but our actions don't follow. And so if we're going to, and the reason is because parents have the most impact on kids. Uh, Parents, uh, this is not a guilt trip at all. It's an understanding of your opportunity, an understanding of your opportunity. One is just because the amount of time that we spend with kids. Yeah, so the Rethink Group, which is a group out of Atlanta, did, they are experts in child development and within the church. And they did a study looking at how much time the church had with kids versus the time the parents had with kids. And they found that on average, uh, you know, it fluctuates a little bit, but on average, the, t- the most time that a church has with kids, with a kid, is 40 hours in the span of a year. So over, over the course of a year, we have about 40 hours to impact the life of a kid. That same kid has the, uh, when they're with their parents between drive time and bedtime and all the time that a parent has at home, this is taking out school and sleep. With the same child, they have over 3,000 hours. So 40 hours versus 3,000 hours that a parent has with their child. So just based on that alone, we know that the impact a parent can make on their kid is, is very different than the impact that a church can make on their kid. Right, and so we want to help as a church. Yeah. Uh, we want, in our student ministry, our kids' ministry, everything that we do, we want to equip parents yep. to raise their kids, but we can't do, the, do it for them. Right. Uh, let, me, let me challenge a few of you, okay? Uh, 
Sending your kids to a Christian school, great, but it's not going to replace you as a parent. Sending your kids to church, great, but it's never going to replace you as a parent. Parents lead the way. Now, immediately I know there's this feeling. Uh, That's a heavy load, Pastor, to bear. But look at Deuteronomy 6. Here's what he says. How do you do that? Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. These commands that I give you today are to be on your hearts. God says, hey, the way to perpetuate faith in your kids is you love me yourself. You follow me with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Because there's something powerful, Graham, about parents leading the way in their walk with God. Yeah, absolutely. I think, um, and this is working with Generation Z, right? We got Alpha coming up. We have no clue what's going to happen there. But we can assume, based off history, and I know with Generation Z is the number one thing that they value is authenticity. So I, I wanna encourage you, we're not asking you guys to become um, these extremely deep, well-thought theologians who know the answer to everything. If we'll be honest, we don't know the answer to everything, right, even as pastors. But what they do need to see is they need to see an authentic relationship with Jesus living through you. That's what they need. And they need to see that in the high moments, and they need to see that in the low moments. Um, because if they can watch you go through the highs and the lows and remain faithful to Jesus, man, that, that, that's what's gonna shape them for a lifetime. I mean, I even think about me, I gave my life to Jesus, not because of a parent, but because of a friend of mine who in the high and the low moments just decided he was gonna love Jesus regardless. And that was, that was hope for me, that in my high, low, high moments and low moments, I could do that too. So parents have the greatest impact but there's a fascinating context to Deuteronomy 6 about this. Share that. Yeah, so when you look at Deuteronomy 6, it logically follows that you should look at Deuteronomy 5 because Deuteronomy 5 is the context around it. So Deuteronomy 5, at the beginning of the chapter of Deuteronomy 5, Moses begins speaking to not just parents. He begins by speaking to the entire community of Israel. So there's this, this really interesting community context that is there in the, in the text that Moses wasn't just saying, hey, parents, you need to get this right off on your own, by yourself, in your own home. He was saying, no, everyone. He called the whole community to love the Lord their God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And then the same, in the same breath, he says, now you get to impress this on your kids. Now, now, as a community, you come together to help kids understand faith. And so, like, like you said, your parents weren't Christians at that time, and so, so they couldn't pass faith to you, but you had a spiritual fathers, and you had spiritual mothers that were so important. One, one uh, research piece I read, they were measuring kids who were still serving, they were raised in church, still serving Jesus as an adult, the number one influence was their parents. The number two was a Christian outside their family who invested in them spiritually. Yep. A youth sponsor, a kids worker, a camp speaker, something like that. Yeah. So you say, well, Pastor, I'm, I'm, I'm not a parent. You know, I'm single. I don't even want to think about kids right now. Whatever your season of life, this is for all of us. How about we be the church that together trains spiritual champions yeah. to serve Jesus for the rest of their life? Yeah. I'm looking at every corner of the room here today. This is for all of us. Yeah. And that means that we all take responsibility for kids and for students, if that means serving on the teams uh, that we have here, or just taking the opportunity to befriend a child. I'm gonna tell you, 
there's, there's a few of you that maybe the enemy is lying to you that says your season of contribution in the kingdom of God is over. Let me remind you that the devil is a liar. And there is a boy, there is a girl, there is a student out there that needs you to look them in the eye and tell them who they are in Jesus Christ and show what it means to be a father and show what it means to be a good brother. I'm feeling it right now. Okay. So I just want to challenge you to step up. Here's number three. Here's the takeaway from Deuteronomy 6. If we want to train spiritual champions, we've got to start spiritual training as soon as possible. Verse 7 says, impress them on your children. Statistically, the younger we begin spiritual development of our kids, the more likely they are to serve Jesus for the rest of their lives. Yeah. So when you look at child development and when you look at that cross-referenced with Parent, or with, with people coming to faith. They did, uh, their Barna Research Group did a study a few years ago where they looked at people coming to Jesus and saying yes to Jesus. And they found that of the people who came to Jesus, their moral compass, the, the, thing, you know, the thing inside that guides them without even thinking about it, the morality that they hold was largely set in place by age nine. Yep. So a nine-year-old largely has the, the moral compass that set them in place or setting them on a direction for the rest of their life. Yep. And then they also found with worldview, you know, that, that thing that you don't even think about think, looking through, like the way that we unconsciously think about and feel about the world, almost like a pair of glasses that you put over your eyes that you see the world through. Worldview in all of these people, so, so this holds true across all Christians and, and really all people, it was largely set in place by age 13 or 14 that set in concrete, like unchanging for the rest of their life unless God did an incredible transformative miracle like a, a Saul experience. Which tells us we've got to take this seriously. Yeah. And it also tells us that kids ministry and student ministry, it's not a game. Nope. It's not a babysitting service. Nope. This is really life or death for kids and their families. And so we take that seriously right. and we need your help. Uh, there's another reason why we need to start as young as possible. Well, yeah, because if we consider what Pastor Evan just said, is that means we have a very small window of time to, to, make, a, to make a difference, right, to make an impact. Uh, it's actually a statistic. They call it the 414 window, and it, here's the, the stats are that 80% of people who know Jesus made that decision to follow him between the ages of four and 14. I want that to sink in for a minute there. Four and 14, that's a small window of time. And, and, and the reason is, is because of how impressionable, I mean, it says impress them on your children, which we'll jump into in a minute, but they're impressionable, right? Um, and the reason that they're impressionable in this time is uh, what we call the law of firsts. Uh, whoever mentions something first gets the authority on that subject. Let me tell you what I mean by that. Have you ever, parents in the room, you ever had your uh, teacher send a note home, or now they send it via app, saying that your kid argued with them about something because their parent, you guys said something different, right? You know why? Because you spoke to it first, now they believe wholeheartedly that what you said is true versus what anybody else can bring to the table because you said it first. That's why between the ages of four and 14, we need to be very intentional about speaking to the topics that I know we don't like to speak to, right? Sexuality, gender identity. We need to be able to speak to the hot topics before somebody else gets the opportunity so that we get the authority on the topic. That's really good. Yeah. <clears throat> that word, 
Evan, that word impress on your children, it's a pretty powerful word. Yeah, it's, it's a, if you think about it like concrete, so you've got, you know, when you're laying concrete, you have your, your mold, you have your form, and you pour the concrete in. And right away when you've got concrete, it's easy to work with. You can use, you know, you use a brush. You can put your hand in it, and your handprint will stay there. Um, but as that concrete starts to get a little bit of age, as that, as that concrete starts to um, dry, it becomes harder and harder to work with. It gets a little bit dry. You can put your hand in, but your hand's not gonna make as big an impression. And once it dries, once it's set, you, in order to chip change into it, it, in order to change it, yeah. you have to use much more drastic measures. Yeah. Hammers and chisels. And yep, jackhammers. And, crazy stuff. You know, you, so <laughs> when, it's, when it's wet, when you have the opportunity, That's you wanna impress doing. into it. So start yeah. as young as possible. And some of you may be watching this online or hearing this are like, Wow, I wish I'd have heard this 20 years ago, 30 years ago. It's never too late to start. Start now, all right? Yeah. Start Preach. now. Here's the last <laughs> principle uh, that I want to take away from Deuteronomy 6. Uh, if we're going to train spiritual champions, we've got to be intentional about spiritual development, which means we've got to do it on purpose. Verse 6, impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands, bind them on your foreheads, write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. I think, uh, I think the scripture is being pretty clear here. This is not a <laughs> haphazard approach Come on. to teaching your kids about faith in Jesus. In the morning, in the evening, when you're walking along the road, uh, put it on your hands, put it on your head, on your, on your house, all this kind of stuff. Uh, he's talking about being intentional and looking for opportunities to have faith conversations with your kids. Yeah. Now, that can look a lot of different ways. It can be the every day we're gonna gather together and do a devotional as a family. A lot of families do that successfully. It also can be as you drive down the road, right. as you're driving to a game, as you are picking up your kids from school. Hey, let's have a conversation, you know, things like that. And so be, it's, it's all about being intentional with your kids rather than having a haphazard approach. Good. Now, the verse that a lot of parents, it's important to a lot of parents, is Proverbs 22, verse six, which says, train up a child in the way he should go, and even when he is old, he will not depart from it. Now, that's an important verse, but I wanna focus on the word train for a second, mm. because the word is train up a child, and I think we have to ask ourselves as parents and grandparents and foster parents, is, is what we're doing actually training? Yeah. Or is it more haphazard? Athletes train. Yes, yes, we do. They eat food that the rest of us eat. Yes, yes they we don't do. eat food that no, the rest of us eat. You get up Sometimes. early, you cause yourself pain. You know why? Because there's a prize. I'm not right. sure what the prize is for you other than being good looking, but you know. Trying you to stay know, young here. There's a, there's a prize. You want right. to win the race. You want to hit the level. Yeah. Soldiers train for war, for battle. They know how to put a weapon together, how to take it apart. They know how to survive. That's training. I, I, I'm not sure in the church we can call what we do with the spiritual development of our kids training. But I want to challenge you. Let's be intentional about training our kids good. to have faith uh, for <clears throat> a lifetime. Because it's so good, and there's, and again, we, we're talking in this Bible study series 
about the power of uh, context and interpretation because there's an interesting interpretation of Proverbs 22.6. Yeah, so because it comes from Hebrew, you're translating into English, there's a little bit of room for their, their word structure is different, their sentence structure is different. So one By of the, the way, yesterday's video, uh, yesterday's Bible study video was about wisdom literature. How do yeah. we interpret wisdom literature? Free commercial, go ahead. There you go. So one of the ways that this verse can be interpreted is train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, it will not depart from him mm-hmm. or her. That, that instead of it being, because some people have taken this as a promise and said, if I, if I get the word of God in my kids and if I train them to do the right thing, they're gonna go the right direction their entire lives. And we've seen many people where that's not the case. But what's amazing is that when Jesus was here on earth and he was speaking to his disciples, he said, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit to you and the Holy Spirit will remind you of everything that I've told you. So he said, I, I got it in you. Now the Holy Spirit's gonna bring it back up out of you right. at the right time. You've got a, a story about that. I do have a good story about that. Uh, I have a friend of mine, uh, so I didn't, I didn't go to church. I was not raised in church, uh, not until 17. Uh, but when I got there, they had this thing going on called TBQ. For those of you who don't know, that's Teen Bible Quiz. And it is the second half of uh, JBQ, which junior we do Bible here, quiz. Junior Bible Quiz. For those of you who don't know, they learned the Bible and then they compete to see who knows it better. It's, it's incredible. Um, I did it for a whole year. I was terrible at it. So I quit. I was competitive, but you can't ring the buzzer and not know the answer. Um, <laughs> but I get <laughs> negative points for that. You do. Yeah. So I end up sat on, sat on my hands for a, a lot of the time. Anyway. But we had this guy that had been raised in church uh, and had, he did JBQ and then he was in TBQ with me and, it, and he was a genius. <laughs> he still is a genius. He's actually a doctor now. That's how much of a genius he is. Um, uh, to give you an example, the year I did it, we did the book of Mark. He memorized the entire book of Mark. That's not an exaggeration. He can quote the entire book of Mark. 16 chapters. And he can do it perfectly. Wow. Um, so when I say he knew the word of God, oh boy, did he. He had it. But then when he went to college, he did what a lot of college kids do, and he walked away from Jesus. He decided that uh, what the world was offering looked better, and he, you know, he you know, succumbed to peer pressure, whatever, right? He walked away. But he recently reached out to me because he's recently come back to Jesus, given his life back to him. He's, he's committed to serving him again. And he was telling me these stories. He would go out to these parties and as he's at these parties, he's drinking, he's doing all the things that you do in, at a college party, and he's got scriptures rolling through his mind. I mean, I mean he's just got over, of all, of all the things that you could possibly think of, right? Uh, but he, it's so funny, is he, he was talking about how, like what scriptures, right? He would talk about, they were never condemning scriptures, there were always these uh, identity scriptures, like about who he was in Jesus, and how much God loved him despite of where he was, you know, in spite of where he was, and uh, he told me this story of, the party he was at before he came back to Jesus. He's at this party. He's, he's, he's in the process of getting drunk. He is drinking. And, <laughs> and he gets this scripture come to, come to, come to his heart. And he says, I, I put down the drink. I started crying. I left. I left all my people there. He said, I went home and gave my life back to Jesus. Um, and so I want that to be an encouragement of what Pastor Evan is saying is even though he walked away from the faith, the word of God, the seed that was sown, was still there. Never left him. It never awesome. left him. That's yeah, awesome. never left him. Praise God. 
All right, so we're going to bring this in for a landing, and then we're going to honor our high school graduates, okay? So let's talk about four uh, ways that we can intentionally tra spiritually train our kids. Number one is Bible engagement. Yes, sir. Bible engagement. So if we want our kids to have faith for a lifetime, we've got to teach them to love the Bible, learn the Bible, live the Bible. Now, uh, I had a homiletics professor. Homiletics is the study of preaching. He always told me that it is a sin to make the Word of God boring. Amen. Amen. Yeah. So I try really hard not to do that. Yeah. But when it comes to kids, how can we help the Word of God become exciting? Yeah, so there's some amazing resources out there. If you're interested in this, I would love to have a conversation with you. My wife would as well. Uh, we take this really seriously in our house. So like these are, these are my books. These are from off of my shelves at home. Um, but you don't take, you know, you don't take a, a dictionary, the Oxford English Dictionary, and hand it to a baby and expect them to, to you know, engage with this word. You hand them a picture book. And so we've got stuff like picture books for kids. This is first Bible basics, accounting primer. This is for, you know, for a little one that's really, uh, that just sets a foundation of the word of God and who God is. And then as kids get older, as they, you know, we have early reader Bibles, we have NIRV reading Bibles, we've got the adventure Bible. And, and for some kids, um, we, you know, this one, the laugh and learn Bible, this one's designed for parents to go through with their kids and you will laugh. It is hysterical. It's, it's amazing. Um, but then for some of our boys especially, boys tend to be a lot more visual uh, when it comes, and, and maybe not as word-oriented. So they came out with this, the Action Bible. And I've had, um, I've had adults that said, this is my Bible, because this is the best <laughs> way awful. that I can engage with God's word. Is that the Marvel word. edition of the Action Bible? This is literally the, mar this, sorry. It's a comic book version. It's a, actually, the, the guy who did the illustrations did work for Marvel and DC. I love that. Yeah. <laughs> I so if you that. like Marvel and DC, Check That's out the awesome. Action Bible. Pretty awesome stuff. That's awesome. Now, uh, Graham mentioned Junior Bible Quiz. Junior Bible Quiz is a program that we've heavily invested in as a church for many years because it is a way, it's not the only way, but it's a way yeah. to intentionally have faith conversations with your kids. The way it works is kids, kindergarten through sixth grade, they memorize uh, scriptures and answers to Bible questions, and then they have competitions over it. And so uh, over the years, we've had hundreds of kids do it. Yep. Here's why it's important. Uh, one is because it helps parents uh, have the conversation about the Bible with their kids. Imagine you're sitting at home. You know, what do we mean when we say the Bible is inerrant? Well, the answer is, well, the Bible is inspired by God, and it's a scripture from 2 Timothy chapter 3. So you're having that conversation with your child. We did some research and we found, this is a na national research, that if a child does four years of junior Bible quiz and their parents are involved, which means they're doing the questions with their kids and not just drop them off for, you know, for practices and meets and all that, 10 years later, 90% of those kids are still serving Jesus as adults in church. It's awesome, it's awesome. 90%. Now, why is that? Because it's Deuteronomy 6. Yep. It's intentional, it's parents taking the lead, and you're doing it on purpose. Now, our junior Bible quiz season uh, begins in the fall, and so if you're interested in your kids being part of JBQ, fill out this Connect card, and on the bottom or on the back somewhere, just write JBQ, all right? And uh, our leader will get in contact with you about when that's gonna start, and of course, all the parents need to be involved and intentionally discipling your kids. 
The second way to intentionally train your kids is church engagement. Make church a priority. Listen to him shout me down. I know. That was loud. If we want to train spiritual champions, we've got to make the body of Christ a priority. Not second, third, fourth, fifth. It's got to be a priority, a consistent weekly priority in my life because I'm training my kids to do that. And the reason is, is because the body of Christ is how we serve one another and, and all of those different types of things. And let me just encourage you that Sunday morning attendance should not be a Saturday night decision. And by the way, parents, don't let your kids determine if you're going to church or where you're going to church. Yeah. I'm preaching now. All right. <laughs> Anybody grow up with a drug problem like I did? I got drugged to church. I got drugged to revival services. I got, I want my kids to have a drug problem. Somebody tweet that right now. All right. Different drug problem. Yeah. So the reality, let's make it a priority in their lives. Make church a priority. Uh, And don't just make church attendance a priority. Get involved by number three, serving other people. Yeah. We've got to help our kids realize that they're not the center of the universe. Amen. Let me, let me pause for a second and say one of the challenges that 21st century American parents have is we've made idols out of our kids. They, we have trained them to focus on themselves. And if we want them to grow as followers of Jesus who came to serve not to be served, and we've got to teach them to serve other people. Some of the greatest families in this church have learned this principle. They serve together, serve on a dream team together, go on a missions trip together. Now, this is also why our vision as a church is that every student goes on a missions trip before they graduate high school. Why? Because we want them to get out of their context, get out of their world, see the world in need that's in desperately need of Jesus. It's very powerful. Serve Day's coming up this summer. I just want to challenge everybody. Serve together. Bring your whole family. We'll find a way uh, to work together. Last one is biblical worldview. We've got to help our kids. As Graham was saying, they're dealing with issues that you and I never had to deal with. Transgender conversations about same-sex attraction. Uh, all of these different types of things. Uh, we have to talk to them and say, what does the Bible say? Yeah. How do we help them do that? And again, uh, we're, this is where we're committed as a church to helping you. You've got answers in Genesis. You've got the Creation Museum. You've got uh, the Ark Encounter, less than two-hour drive. I, I, I just want to encourage you, if you've never been to those places, take a day, drive to Cincinnati area, and you will have a worldview experience with your student or with your children. Yeah. It will be highly worth the time that you do that. All right, so we're running out of time. So take 60 seconds, Graham, and then you, uh, Evan, talk about how Grace Students helps parents fulfill this vision. Yeah, absolutely. So I believe that if, uh, if we can, as a student ministry, if we can help lay some, some groundwork for you guys, it's easier to parent kids who love Jesus uh, and helping them love Jesus more, right? So uh, we have weekend services, which lines up with the vision here of No God. Uh, and yours is on Sunday nights. Sunday nights at seven, and those are designed for teenagers, uh, from the worship to the message, everything. Everything is, is designed for them uh, to help them engage. Uh, we also do crews, which is our small groups. We believe life change happens in the context of relationships. And I, I know this with teenagers, that they can get around other teenagers who love Jesus too, 
they're more than likely gonna stay loving Jesus, right? So we're gonna surround them with people who love Jesus and leaders that love Jesus. Uh, and then we, uh, I have uh, one thing that I love to do, it's one of my, my favorites, is we have a student leadership uh, group, or so to speak, and that is literally where students who are in school serve and lead, and the key word is lead, alongside my adult leaders, and I don't separate. They are the same. They have the same abilities, same talents, same giftings, a same God-given grace to lead that adults do. And so this group is uh, significant in that uh, I, I challenge them a lot more than I do the, the general. So uh, how do you help children. parents? So with parents, man, we, we wanna come alongside and partner outside of that with youth. We do two parent nights a year where you guys get to come in and worship with your students. And if you've ever been to a parent night as a parent, it's powerful. There's something about worshiping with your teenagers that's incredible. Um, and then uh, we are going to offer in the fall a parent a small group designed to help uh, parents of teenagers uh, walk and pastor their kids. Because I don't have teenagers yet, but I can help you pastor them a little bit uh, in that, in that parents area. Parents of teenagers group, is that the pot group? The pot group. I'm sorry. <clears throat> bunch of, I'm gonna leave that right there. All right, Evan, <laughs> let's talk about Grace Kids. How, how, how's it happening? Yeah, so three quick things. Uh, the first is what's, we're changing our VBS. Our VBS is actually shifting over to what we're, what we're calling our family experience. And we really think that VBS can, ha, in, traditionally has been this amazing opportunity to decide or to reach out to kids, to help them know Jesus. But we also found that for a lot of families around here, uh, it was a babysitting thing. Yeah, because they dropped their kids off and come, would, parents wouldn't be involved at all. Right, so we're making a shift in our VBS and instead making it a family experience where, fa where moms, dads, grandmas, grandpas, anybody who's in a kid's life can come with them and experience it together. So on uh, June 12th, we're gonna actually have uh, a speaker in here. He's gonna be our main speaker for this service. He's a scientist, he's a pastor, and he's gonna make, bring it a lot of fun. And it's gonna be the, one of those moments where you have comeback moments. Those moments that you look back on, you laughed together, you had an experience together, and you and you were had an encounter with God together. So comeback moments for families. Uh, the second thing is that out of that, we're launching into summer small groups. So we're gonna make some some small groups that are low impact on your schedule because Graham and I both know when you got, it's summer and you got young kids, <laughs> it gets crazy. And so we wanna make something that's low impact but that still connects people together because we believe that life change happens in the context of relationships. So there's those two things this summer but then, and, and we're gonna launch some summer or some uh, parenting small groups in the fall, that's coming. But then the third thing that we do is we wanna make church something that's easy for kids to transition to as they get older. Yep. And so our Sunday services look just like, our, our, they follow the same vision as our whole church. We want kids to know God, find freedom, discover their purpose, and make a difference. Yep. So we just say it in kid language. We want kids to love God, love people, do their best, and have fun. And so we do large group upstairs, but we also do small groups with our kids. And one of the things that I wanted to do is invite parents to be part of that, because I have some I have some stories about parents who have come, and I have this one guy named Blake. He, he came and he's a single dad, started serving with us, um, big guy, and a new Christian. 
And so he's like, okay, I guess my next step is getting involved. And so he started serving with us. And every week he came in, he was learning stuff off of the lessons that we were teaching to the kids. And he's saying, man, this, what I'm learning and my ability to interact with a small group and lead a small group helps me be a better dad to my kids or to my, to my son. It, It was not only serving was something that not only gave him fulfillment, but it helped him be a better parent. That's awesome. If you'd like to uh, be on one of these teams on your connection card, write down Grace Students or Grace Kids. I want to be part of a team. They'll follow up with you and help you get connected. So let's pray today before we honor our graduates. And uh, I want to ask Evan if you would pray. Let's pray for all the parents, uh, all the foster parents, people who are legal guardians. They've got kids in their house. Uh, Let's pray for them that God would just give them the courage and the strength that they need to take the lead. And then, uh, Graham, this message is probably particularly challenging for those who have prodigals. They, they were raised in the church. They, parents did their best, and yet they're not following Jesus. Uh, let's pray, pray for them today. Let's pray together. Father, thank you that you have given us as Grace Assembly of God the privilege and the responsibility of the next generation of faith to pass our faith onto them. God, I pray in Jesus' name that you would help us to to hold that weight. Help us to hold it in our hearts and our minds. Father, I pray in Jesus' name that you would impress on us this responsibility to do what you've called us to do, to love you with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and to pass that to our kids. Lord, I pray in Jesus' name, that you would give us the courage to do this, that you would give us the the wisdom that we need. Your, Your word says in James that if anyone lacks wisdom, let them ask. Don't let them ask with this this double minded toss back and forth, but ask knowing that you will give it. Your word says that we can come boldly before the throne of grace to find help in our time of need, that we can come to you and know that you are the one who has given us this responsibility and the one who's given us the power to do it. Holy Spirit, we invite you into this process. I pray that you would bring back to mind for every parent the things that you've already put in their hearts. God, that they would get your word deep in their hearts and minds so that you have these things to work with and to bring to their mind the scripture that will guide them as they lead their kids. Father, I pray for foster parents and for adoptive parents especially as they deal with the family dynamics that come from blending families together. Lord, I pray an extra measure of grace on them. I pray an extra measure of blessing on them. I pray that you would take their hearts that that have welcomed them just like you welcomed us into your family. You set the tone for adoption, God. You set the tone for bringing in the fatherless and the orphan. I pray your blessing over... God, I pray your blessing over them in Jesus' name. I pray, God, for every parent here, every spiritual parent, every physical parent, grandparents, those who are in these kids' lives, I pray in Jesus' name that you would help us to do what you've called us to do, that we would not only experience the responsibility of it, but Father, we would experience the incredible joy and blessing of it. You said in 1 John 3, 4, I have no greater joy than to hear my children are walking in the truth. Father, I pray that this church would be filled to the top with that joy. In Jesus' name. And Father, we lift up all the parents in the room who have a son or a daughter that 
has walked away. God, we know it's hard, man, because maybe they're here today and they've put in the, the work, so to speak, God. They were intentional. They've sowed the seeds. And yet to sit on the outside and watch them walk in a way that you just know is not the best, it's hard. So Father, I ask right now that number one, you would give strength to those parents. Whew, man, let them know that you are with them. God, and give them uh, encouragement, Father, to know that you're not only with them, but you are also with their son and their daughter, that you never leave. God, and I ask today that every seed that was sown in those, in those kids, Father, would come to fruition. God, that every verse, God, every prayer, God, every service, God, every, every uh, camp, every effort that was put, God, would come to fruition. And just like my friend, man, that the Holy Spirit would bring to remembrance, God, who they are in Jesus, what you've called them to do and who you've called them to be, and that a life that is full is only found in you. And God, I pray for every parent that when that son or daughter comes home, that they would be like the father in the, in the parable of the prodigal son. They would run out to meet them, arms open wide, full of grace, ready to celebrate the fact that that son was, was lost, but now is found. That daughter was blind, but now she sees. And that they were dead, but now they're alive. God, let, the, let us be the community that welcomes everybody back, man, with open arms and grace because you love us that much, in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you bow your heads one more time? A message like this, I wonder if there's somebody here in the room today or somebody watching online, if you're not following Jesus, maybe you're the prodigal. Maybe today's the day you come back to Jesus. Or maybe you're walking the wrong direction, you're walking away from God and you need to turn around. That turnaround word is called repentance. That's you today. I want to invite you to surrender your heart and life to Jesus. Because after all, that is the most important thing. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. Would you pray with me this simple prayer from your heart? Others around you are going to pray with you and just say, Jesus, I surrender. My life is yours. Thank you for the cross. You died for my sin. Please forgive me. From this day forward, my heart is yours. Holy Spirit, please help me to follow Jesus every day. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Amen. Would you give God praise for all of those who make the greatest decision of their life? If you enjoyed today's message, I want to encourage you to like it and share it online or jump on the website at graceassembly.org and click the giving link so that we can continue to spread the message of Jesus all around the world. Have a blessed day and we'll see you next week.